Forsling with the puck. Fresh legs on the ice. And now Bennett comes off the bench. Here's Huberto looking in front. He holds. He waits for Bennett. Yes, sir. Let's go home, baby. Sam Bennett in overtime from Huberto. Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now, here's your host, Brunswick. What a week, what a week, what a week. I am your host, Brunswick. This show is Project Panthers, and oh, baby, what a week it's been in Panthers territory. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means you found me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcast platform out there on the World Wide Web by searching Project Panthers. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Proj Panthers, that's P-R-O-J Panthers, on Instagram by searching Project Panthers Pod on Facebook by searching Project Panthers, and also make sure you're sending your questions, comments, or queries to projectpantherspod at gmail.com. The record of the Florida Panthers currently sits at 32, 10, and 5. Good for first place in the entire NHL. Honestly, I never, ever get tired of saying that. But they have played a few more games than most of the other top teams, so their top spot could change by the time they play again because they're off for... 15 days straight, and they don't return return to play until February 16th against the Carolina Hurricanes. The reason for this is that at this time, this time was originally meant to be spent on uh, on break as various players throughout the NHL, they were headed supposed to be headed to Beijing to represent their countries at this year's Winter Olympics, but with all the COVID issues persisting, not only is in the league, but worldwide, the league, they made the decision to not allow players to go play in the international tournament and that combined with the postponements due to COVID in the NHL has led to the league rescheduling those postponed games within the Olympic slash all-star game window. Lucky for the Cats, they went largely unaffected by the Omicron wave, so none of their games were canceled or postponed, but this does result in an extra long layoff for the team. And I'm sure many of us remember back in 2019-20 and that season when the the Cats went into their bye week in late January, having won 13 of their previous 17 games. And they were actually on a six-game winning streak before they went into that 10-day break. They ended up posting just seven wins in their remaining 21 games after that break to limp into the pseudo-playoff series with the Islanders after the season got cut short and play resumed back in August. Listen, I know we're all hoping history doesn't repeat itself, but personally, I am not worried. I'm not. This is a very different group from that 2019-20 team. Much more confident and honestly, much more capable. And with all that said, let's see how the Panthers did in their finals, in their final games before the All-Star slash non-Olympic break. Cats playing their first game of the week back north of the border again, this time in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. A couple of line changes for Andrew Burnett after the disappointing loss in Washington. Matt Kierstead drops out of the lineup with Chase Prisky getting called up from Charlotte earlier in the day and dressing for just his third career NHL game. Maxim Mammon also factoring back in for this one with Frank Vetrano going back to the press box after another disappointing game from Frank the Tank. Interim head coach Andrew Burnett also opting to go back to Sergei Bobrovsky and the Jets counter with Connor Hellebuck, who's Always had success against Florida over his career. Brunette also choosing to change the lineup a bit for this contest, moving Maxim Mammon back, Maxim Mammon back up to the top line with Alexander Barkov and Carter Verhage. Uh, this is a line we saw some success from earlier in the season. And then he moves Reinhardt down to play with Londell and Marchment, Anton Lundell and Mason Marchment. And Ryan Lomberg, Etulostrainen, and Owen Tippett close up the fourth line in this one. 
It does not take long for the Panthers to make their mark on this game because just two minutes and nine seconds into the game, uh, that newly formed third line makes it happen with some nice puck cycling along the boards before Marchman throws a hit behind the Jets net. Um, Puck makes his way around to the side of the boards to Lundell. He throws one on net just as Marchman heads to the front to get a piece of it and tip it past Hellebuck for the early 1-0 lead. Jets, they look to be in control of this game to start despite being down 1-0, and they strike back when Paul Stasny picks up a juicy rebound from Bobrovsky in front of the net, scores his ninth goal of the season to tie the game up. The game continues to flow in favor of the Jets, but the Panthers, they elect to go to the playbook to try and get the lead back off a neutral zone faceoff. The puck is dumped in deep into the jet zone. Sam Reinhardt is right there on the opposite board hash marks to gather the puck and find a streaking Mason Marchment who, by design, is moving right to the front of the net. He's got all the time in the world to snipe his second goal of the period. Top shelf Hellebuck's, over Hellebuck's shoulder. 2-1 Panthers as Marchment doubles his goal total on the season in less than 10 minutes of play in this game. But the offense it continues. But the Jets, they can skate. They're a fast team with a lot of deceptive skill up front, and that is on full display with the second goal as the Jets set up a play of their own, finding space in the neutral zone. They gain the line while confusing the Panthers forwards a bit. Nobody is covering a speeding Kyle Connor, and, and he takes a cross-ice pass, stares down Bob and Deke's backhand to tie this game up less than a minute after Marchman's goal. But we're still not done in this period. Lots of goals in, to start this one. The third line once again pushing the play and forechecking hard. This time, they catch Hellebeck off guard when he comes up to play the puck behind his own net. Reinhardt gets a stick on his clearing attempt, resulting in the puck bouncing into the slot and on Mason Marchman's stick. He whips a turnaround shot towards the net that ricochets off Anton Lindell and into the back of the net for the 3-2 Panthers lead, restoring that one-goal advantage. A pretty crazy first period finally comes to an end with the Cats up one one goal, uh, leading the Jets in shots 14-10. Second period starts with the Jets continuing their offensive zone pressure on the Cats. Their effort gets them on their first power play of the game with Sam Bennett going to the box for interference right in front of his own net. Not sure if Bennett wasn't paying attention. As this call, it seemed a little pointless. I don't know what he was doing. I think he just had his head turned. Dubois was already covered. Bennett did not need to be where he was on the ice. So pretty, pretty careless penalty, but sometimes that happens. Although Bennett is prone to those. Cats, they find themselves down. Uh, that man, and they almost get out of it unscathed, but Jets rookie Cole Perfetti, he makes a nice play to find himself a lane to Pierre-Luc Dubois. He won times it past Bob four feet out from the net, and for the third time this game, the Jets have come back and tied it up. Not long after the goal, though, Panthers get a power play of their own, looking to take advantage of the Jets in their 30th-ranked penalty killing, but the Jets, they look pretty decent on the kill, actually. They actually do. They get out of it without giving up too much. Special teams playing a factor in this one big time. Jets are kind of surprising on this penalty killing. I looked active. They were attacking the Panthers. You would not expect this to be a 30 ranked, 30th ranked penalty killing. Thankfully, though, the Jets are not very good defensively. And that is just not a recipe for success if you're up against this Panthers team who <laughs> they can score. And this time it's the top line's turn to pounce on the opportunity. The Cats gain the offensive zone when Barkov picks up a loose puck at the top of the, of the uh, Jets' blue line. He takes the man wide down low, throws it in front. The puck deflects back to Ekblad at the point who takes a shot, and Verhage is on the doorstep to smash home the rebound and restore the Panthers' 4-3 lead. Originally, it was thought that Barkov got the second assist on the goal leading to his 500th point in the NHL, but the official scorekeepers awarded the second helper to Maxim Mamont, keeping Barkov at the 499 mark for the time being. Mason Marchment then takes a cross-checking penalty that forces Bob to come up with a huge save on the penalty kill, easily his best sequence of 
of the night as he looks to sharpen up for the second half of this game. And he did. He really did. Panthers really doing a good job in the second period, moving their feet, creating speed through the neutral zone. This causes the Jets to sit back a bit defensively as they have to respect the Panthers' lead and the Panthers' offensive skill. And Florida's managing to ante up, up the ante on for, the forecheck after they gain the zone with all that speed. The results is an offensive wave that continues to come at Winnipeg. And in turn, they are forced to take a penalty because they're put into situations where they can't perform properly. And the Panthers, they get plenty of chances to beef up their lead, but they can't quite take advantage of that penalty. Um, as the second period ends, the shots do sit in favor, 23-22 in favor of the Panthers, despite at one point being 19-10 in favor of the, of the Jets early in the second period. So great turnaround from the Panthers after, the, after a shaky first 25 minutes or so in this game. Brandon Montour takes a penalty three minutes into the third period, forcing the Cats back into the into defensive mode to try and preserve the one-goal lead. Bob comes up with big saves on the PK, and the Cats get out of it. Both Bobrovsky and Hellebuck really shutting the door down in the second half of this game after a very busy first half for the scorekeepers. Five-on-five, five, though, the Panthers are all over the Jets, skating much harder than Winnipeg, moving the playoff ice up and down the ice quickly. Not a lot of east and west movement from the Cats, just efficient play to get the puck deep as quickly as possible and burn time off the clock while sustaining pressure. Winnipeg really only able to keep this, their own sustained pressure in the Panthers' zone when they're on the power play, but at even strength, the Cats are dictating much of what happens on the ice. Big, Like I said, a big turnaround from, from the start first half of this game. Jets, again, as a result, cannot keep up, and they have to take another penalty. Uh, the Cats get a chance to pad their lead once again, but and maybe look to close out this one, but they really don't get a lot going as the Jets' penalty killing is impressive once again, and they pretty much spend the whole time clearing the puck for most of the two minutes. So, uh, But thankfully, the game returns to 5-on-5 five five where the Cats are shining, and not long after the power play ends, obviously, the Panthers, they add to their lead. Um, when uh, Duclair, he gets on a 2-on-1 with Bennett, he sends it to the net, and Bennett is there to scoop up the rebound to bury his 18th goal of the season. This gives the Cats their very first two-goal lead of the night. I, I got to give props to Andrew Burnett and the coaching staff in this one. There is an obvious, there was a very obvious adjustment to the Panthers' offensive play in this one. We saw the Cats getting stifled over and over again in the Seattle game on Sunday, constantly forcing the puck to the middle of the ice where the Kraken had active sticks and plenty of bodies to not give space in those high-danger areas. In this game, the Panthers have kept most of their indirect offense on the perimeter, cycling the puck down low and around the end boards. In turn, this draws the Jets players to the boards to try and make the play. This opens up space in the middle of the ice where the Panthers are making their passes and creating chances for themselves. On top of doing the great job of baiting the Jets by giving them a false sense of space in the neutral zone, the moment the Jets get to the Panthers' blue line, three guys are stepping up onto the puck carrier and suffocating the play almost immediately. A dominant effort from this group in the second half of this game as the time expires. Clock runs out. Game finishes 5-3 Panthers. They uh, finish 3-2-0 on the road trip and return back home first place in the NHL. Bob was so stellar in the second half and really held on tight for the team to get the win. Great game overall for the Cats, really, despite that... that uh, Bit of a tur turbulent start. Panthers finally back home after the five-game trip back in Sunrise where their success has been very well documented this season. The most wins on home ice in the entire NHL and sitting at a record of 21-3-0 in the Florida Live Arena. Both of these teams skating hard and the fast up the ice. There aren't a lot of teams that can skate with the Panthers on any given night, but the Golden Knights of Vegas are definitely one of those teams. Before puck drop, we learned that Max and Mammon had been placed on the IR 
Uh, so in his place, Frank Vitrano getting back into the lineup, another chance to prove himself and get a steady role in there. No other big changes from interim head coach Andrew Brunette, but the Cats do welcome Gustav Forsling back into the lineup after missing a few games due to COVID protocols. Great to have Frosting back, and Spencer, Spencer Knight gets the nod in net, giving the night off to Bobrovsky. Vegas electing to go with Robin Lehner in their goal. Some Panthers also seeing former team teammate Evgeny Dadnov on the opposing team for the first time since he didn't re-sign with the Panthers and went to Ottawa before getting traded to Vegas in the offseason. Dad's had some pretty good seasons with the Cats and scored some beautiful goals in the slot. He was a fun player to watch when he was on. I, I enjoyed his time with the Cats. I really did. Although those teams didn't enjoy the best success, he was fun to watch. Him, Huberto, and Barkov, they were a really exciting line. This game starts out well for the Cats. They come out with a ton of pressure early on, and they're up 6-1 to one in shots at one point, but Vegas is dangerous, and that team cannot be taken lightly, especially on the road where their record sits at 12-5-1. and one. And they prove early on that they can back that record up after some sustained pressure in the Florida end. Zach Whitecloud walks in from the point and picks a corner over Spencer Knight's shoulder to make it one left, nothing less than 10 minutes into this one. And Vegas turns up the heat after that goal and really start coming at the Panthers, bolting through the neutral zone, leading to some odd man rushes and the Nolan Patrick breakaway that just misses the net. Uyghur caught fumbling the puck that leads to the scoring chance. Not a great start for the Cats defense in this one after that explosive start on offense. They ain't getting it done in their own zone. Next best scoring chance, though, does go to the Panthers late in the first period when Bennett sets up Huberto with tons of space in the Vegas zone, but Laner, he comes out way far out of his net to challenge Huby and makes a great save on the all-star winger. Not long after that chance for Hagee, he gets caught with a bouncing puck at the Vegas blue line. Mark Stone tries his, his darnest to get around him, but Cardi V makes a heads-up play and takes one of those quote-unquote good penalties to take because Stone would have been off to the races all alone if Hagee didn't tie him up, so... Sometimes you got to calculate risk versus reward, and that's a pretty smart play from Cardi V. And the boys, they 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 sure loved Cardi V taking that penalty. They did, because they were all systems go on the penalty kill. First Uberdo and Lusterinen just, just, mm, so close. They just fail to connect on a two-on-one, but seconds later, Barkov steals the puck in the neutral zone with a sneaky little pickpocket play. He finds Lundell at the tip of the Vegas zone. Anton does a beautiful job drawing the defenders to him, leaving Barkov all alone for the one-timer. He blasts the pass from Lundell past Laner, scoring his 200th career NHL goal and a 500th career NHL point. Hell of a shot to get that those two milestones on. Period ends 1-1. That goal was huge to tie it up late in the period. Second uh, stanza starts with Vegas still on the power play, but the Panthers kill the remaining seconds off, and very quickly after, Sam Bennett walks into the Vegas zone completely untouched. Advantage of the free real estate, takes advantage of the free real estate, and whips a wicked wrister past Laner for his 19th goal of the season. A new career high for Sam Bennett. Bennett now with 42 points in 44 games as a Florida Panther player. He had just... 51 points over 161 games in his final three years in Calgary. So he's got 42 and 44 as a Panther. His last three seasons in Calgary, 51 points in 161 games. Crazy. I've talked about his turnaround on this podcast quite a bit, but it may go down as one of the biggest turnarounds ever for a high-drafted player. By 25 and 400-plus games played, if you haven't panned out to the draft position you were at yet, or at least gotten somewhat close to it, there's a very strong chance you never will. Listen, I don't know what's going on. He's The change of scenery has done him good. He's always smiling. Bennett's the outlier on on that, that front in terms of breaking the mold and 
breaking out after such a long established NHL career already. It's nothing but a bonus for Zito and the Cats. Uh, speaking of the Cats, they get a power play right after that goal. And uh, on that power play, Sir Samuel of House Bennett gets a bit overzealous with the puck. And he runs into Laner, drawing a goaltender interference call and negating the Panthers' power play. Cats managed to kill off the uh, shortened advantage for Vegas despite good pressure by the Golden Knights. They're a very talented team down low that knows how to work hard along the boards. They are they're pretty fun to watch, actually. Uh, but the Panthers, they take another penalty in the second. A too-many-men call that they also kill off as Vegas' power play continues to pepper Spencer Knight. But he comes up with some solid saves to keep the score at 2-1. Rest of the period goes without much notice in terms of the, on, the, on the score sheet. But both teams playing some solid, fast-paced hockey. Really feels like a playoff-type matchup with both squads playing tight, but doing their best to use their speed to get the, other, the upper hand. Vegas is easily one of the... Uh, Best opponents that the Panthers have faced this season. The second stanza ends 2-1 in favor of the Cats. Third period starts out with some fire. Both teams flying out there to try and dictate their own pace of the game. Vegas is really good at turning around and darting up ice after a turnover, much like the Florida Panthers. These teams play such a mirrored style of hockey. I feel like you could swap jerseys on some of these guys, and it would be hard to tell the difference which team is which, honestly. The Knights are creating chances for themselves with their speed through the neutral zone, and much like the first period, but the Cats, they're doing a great job in the final third of the ice, stopping their plays or getting Vegas to go on, go one and done without much sustained pressure. But they aren't perfect, and the Golden Knights get some high-quality chances, including Mark Stone somehow just missing a very wide-open net. So Lady Luck on the Panthers' side for a bit in this third period. But that's not to, take it, not to take anything away from the Cats' defense as they hold Vegas just two shots on goal after 14 minutes of play in the third period. But with about six minutes to go, they really start to turn it up and come at the Panthers, but they're up to the challenge. They start playing the body a bit more and reaching deep for that extra gear to finish the game off on a positive note. You can see the collective effort from every player that came out on the ice in this one relentlessly coming at Vegas, suffocating them in their own zone with three minutes to go. The Golden Knights pull later with a buck 07 left on the clock. Shea Theodore fumbles the puck after a clear from the Panthers, and Mason Marchman is all over him to steal the puck and backhand it home for his third goal in two games. And not long after, Barkov steals the puck in the neutral zone, gets the puck over to Huberdeau, who hands it over to Sir Samuel of House Bennett for his second goal of the game. Cats get back two quick goals in succession back-to-back. They get the huge win, one of their most impressive victories of the season, no doubt. Vegas is such a great team, and the Panthers were up to the challenge defensively all night long. Spencer Knight made some great saves to keep the score at 2-1, and the Cats get the two points and have now scored four goals uh, or more in 21 of their last 25 games at home in the Florida Live Arena this season. Florida continuing the homestand on Saturday with an early game, 6 p.m. start against the San Jose Sharks. Cats definitely looking to build off of one of their best performance of the season versus Vegas on Thursday. Interim head coach Andrew Brunette elects to go with the same forward group from the Thursday game, except for one change. Former Shark Joe Thornton gets back into the lineup to play his old team. His first game against the San Jose Sharks in 19 seasons. What a ridiculous statistic. Vetrano taking the seat with Jumbo Joe getting back in the lineup. Borofsky factors back in net for this one, and the Sharks throw out former Panther James Reimer. Also, in a bit of a surprising move, Owen Tippett starting the game on the top line with Barkov and Verhage. So once again, OT getting a chance to excel with some better alignments. Let's see if he takes advantage of the golden opportunity. Also, a familiar face behind the bench of the Sharks, Bob Bugner, who was once an assistant with them, left to come head coach, be head coach of the Panthers. 
and is now back in the head coach's role, but this time for the Sharks. He had an interim title for almost a year after another former Panthers head coach, Pete Pabor, was relieved of his duties, but he was offered the job full-time before this season started. So nice for Bugner to get a permanent role in this league. This one starts out fast and furious with with the Lamborghini getting all... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's about family. Uh, getting in all alone on a breakaway, but Reimer makes makes a great save. Lomberg takes then takes a minor penalty for embellishment after Brent Burns gives him a, a hook. So the teams move to four on four, where the Panthers get the two of the best chances. But Optimus Rhyme is there to make these saves to keep it scoreless. Just over six minutes into this one, Thomas Hurdle takes a pass down low and moves into the front of the Panthers' goal. He catches Bobrovsky trying to poke check, goes five hole. Bob's a bit of a weakness. His weakness, you know. Uh, second, his twenty second goal of the season. Cash down one nothing. Less than halfway through the first period, bit of a defensive breakdown for Gudis on this one, as he gets caught spinning in place and watching the putt not, puck not really taking anyone, which in turn gives the Sharks a ton of space, giving Rudolph Balsers plenty of time to see hurdle and make the quick little pass that leads to the goal. Panthers, they keep the pressure up, but as the period wears on, the Sharks start getting momentum back in their favor. Anthony Duclair takes a goaltender interference call with under five minutes to go in the period. And on that power play, Jonathan Dolan walks in all the way from the point with plenty of time, and he beats Bobrovsky with the wrist shot for the 2-0 San Jose lead. Panthers down two goals or more for the first time since mid-December against the Los Angeles Kings, a game in which they went on to lose 4-1. But they were also basically dressing the entire Charlotte Checkers roster in that game. So I don't know how much that matters at this point. Panthers, they don't get discouraged, and with under a minute to go, Sam Reinhardt finds Gustav Forsling open in the slot, and Frosting snipes it home for his second goal of the season, back in the lineup for his second game in a row, and gets on the board. Ekblad hits the post with 10 seconds left after that, but the period ends... Uh, sorry, 10 seconds left in the period, and it ends 2-1 to one with the Cats outshooting the Sharks 17-5. to five. So quite an offensive period from both teams to start this one. Sharks come out with purpose in the second period, and... They are circling the Cats in the deep end from the moment the puck drops on the second stanza, and eventually their persistence is rewarded with a goal when Jonathan Huberto loses his assignment in his own zone, allowing Matt Nieto to get behind him, and Nick Benino finds him in the slot to one time at home pass Bobrovsky to quickly restore the two-goal lead for the Sharks. Not a great play defensively from Huberto there, but it happens. It happens, especially when you're leading the league in points. Cats continuing to press throughout the second period, but they really aren't creating that many high-scoring opportunities. The stats may appear to show that the Panthers are playing a decent game and just not getting the bounces, but truthfully, they aren't really creating enough high-danger chances for themselves and giving up far too many of their own. Sharks are really trying their damnedest to slow the game down, much like the Kraken did last Sunday. I think they watched some serious game tape. This falls right into their game plan and limits the Panthers from using their best weapon as a team, their speed. Panthers, though, they don't get discouraged. That's what they do this season. They don't get discouraged. As we've seen countless times over the last couple of years, this team just stays relentless with their attack. If the opposition gives them space, they will take it and utilize it no matter what the deficit is. It's tough for this group to get discouraged. I, it really is. For a while, for a whole game, it's just like impossible. Maybe like 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, but for a full 60 minutes, it does not happen. And it showed almost instantly to start the third period with Huber and Barkov reunited once again to try and spark the offense for the Cats. The Cats cheat code works right away. Less than 90 seconds into the final stanza, Barkov takes a pass from Kubi and effortlessly one-times it over Reimer's shoulder to cut the lead to one. But hockey, hockey is hockey. 
And just because you want things to keep rolling a certain way doesn't mean they will. Lucas Carlson takes a tripping call not long after the goal in front of his own net, trying to prevent a dangerous scoring chance in front of Bob. So he goes to the sin bin for two minutes. Cash do a good job keeping the Sharks outside for almost the entirety of the penalty, despite all the impressive puck movement. But with only 23 seconds to go in the man advantage, Jonathan Dahlin, another, hear that name again, finds an opening and rips it over the shoulder of a well-screened Sergei Bobrovsky to restore, restore the two-goal lead for the San Jose Sharks. We sit at 4-2. But seemingly, almost right after that goal, Carter Verhage picks up a loose puck in front of James Reimer after he can't control a couple of his rebounds, and it's back to a one-goal game. Or are we? Well, the Sharks, they check the replay, and clearly they don't like what's seen on the play, and they challenge it as the offside call is victorious for them and no goal for Verhage. We're still at 4-2 Sharks. That's okay, though, because as I said earlier, these cats, they are relentless. They do not stop. This time, it's the third line getting in on the action with some strong forechecking down low that forces a terrible turnover from the Sharks that Reinhardt jams at until it eventually pops out in front of the Reimer, giving Mason Marchment the chance to poke at it himself. And this time it goes in. This one's going to count. And we are officially back to a one-goal game on Marchment's fourth goal in his last three games. Cats, again, they ain't stopping. They ain't stopping. Chug-a-lug, 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 chug-a-lug. Choo-choo! This runaway freight train is leaving the station, baby. Barely two minutes after the Marchman goal, the Cats win a face-off in the San Jose zone. Uyghur throws the puck on net, and Cardi V finds it sitting out in front of the goal. He slides it over to Huberto to tie it up. Huberto's 17th goal of the season. The comeback Cats have done it again. And the Panthers, they continue their onslaught for the remainder of the third, reaching 48 shots before the end of regulation. The Sharks hanging on by their teeth as time wind, winded down in regulation. Overtime starts and just over a minute in Jonathan Huberto set up in Gretzky's office behind the net. Sam Bennett, as you heard on the intro today, he's battling in front and Hubie finds him, finds a seam in front of the net and Sir Samuel of House Bennett deems this evening victorious for the Panthers of Florida when he slams it home his 21st goal of the season, completing the comeback Cats and beating the Sharks 5-4, improving to 23-3-0 at Florida Live Arena this season. Sharks were 15-0-0 when leading after two periods. And they were up after two, uh, after 40 in this one. So, nice little stat breaker there for the Cats as they walk away with the victory. Panthers in Columbus on Monday night looking to build off that huge comeback win against the Sharks. Last time these two teams played, the Cats put on a put up a nine spot. So, you'd expect the Jackets to come out playing hard and give the Panthers some trouble all night long. Cats keep the same lineup from Saturday night's game. Bobrovsky back in net as well. Jackets going with Elvis Merzlikens at the other end. Things get started real quick for the Cats in this one. The first shift just 32 seconds into the game. Mason Marshman takes a Lundell pass in the slot and he rips it over the shoulder of Merzlikens. And very quickly, it's 1-0 Panthers just 32 seconds in. This third line picking up right where they left off in the San Jose game. And boy, do they ever have something special going on right now because on their very next shift, barely three minutes into this game, they get some good pressure on the Jackets. Marchman battles for the puck behind the net 
and finds Lundell all alone on the side of the net. He chooses to go self, the selfless route and makes a, a Lundelicious little pass to Reinhardt, who is also standing all alone on the other side of the net, and he shoots it past des- a desperately sprawled out Elvis to make it 2 nothing Florida. This Lundell, Marchman, and Reinhardt line taking advantage of some atrocious Columbus defensive coverage, and they make them look silly in the process. Blue, Blue Jackets, though, they won't lay down. Uh, as they get one back when they throw one on net that Gustav Forsen gets a piece of for his 12th goal of the season, Columbus has suddenly cut the early deficit in half. They continue the pressure and get rewarded with a power play, but Bobrovsky makes a couple of solid stops against his former team, and the Cats kill it off before Andrew Peake takes a two-minute minor penalty of his own that gives the Cats their first power play of the game, and they waste no time. As less than 30 seconds into the man advantage, Barkov is in the right spot to pick up a Huberto rebound, and he rips it past Elvis to restore the two-goal lead for the Panthers, Barkov's 21st goal of the season. The Cats get another power play late in the first, but Jackets get the best chance on a two-on-one that Bobrovsky robs Gustav Nyquist on with a huge right pad save. And just a couple of minutes later, the third line, which at this point, can you even call it that? I... I had the same problem calling the Hubie Bennett Duke line, the second line. Neither of these lines plays like the traditional lines do in that role. So third lines do not do this kind of stuff offensively. So I'm just going to go ahead and start calling these lines 1A, 1B, and line 2 and line 4. It's line 1A, line 1B, line 2, and line 4. That's what I'm going to go with. That's it. We'll just skip the whole third line altogether. How's that sound? Yeah. Anyway, the second line does not slow down as they get space entering the Columbus zone. Lindell finds Marchman on the left wing who proceeds to make a dart of a pass to Sam Reinhardt streaking in on the right wing and he redirects the pass over Elvis making it 4-1 Panthers. Third goal of the period for this trio. Second goal of the period for Rhino. Lundell has three assists and Marchman sitting at one goal and two assists just 20 minutes in. But the Blue Jackets did not forget the shellacking that they took a few weeks ago and they get one back with just seven left on the clock when Barkov's buddy Patrick Line grabs a loose puck in front of Bob makes a nice little move uh, to t- in tight space to tuck it past the keeper and cut the lead to 4-2 rough play here from Ekblad as he tried to walk out in front of his own net with three jacket players lurking very close by he didn't get the support he needed from Uyghur and Columbus was all over it Second period starts with some even pace from both sides before Marchman grabs a puck on his opposite wing. He throws it into the middle of the ice where Sam Reinhardt is open at the top, is wide open at the top of the circles, walks in all alone on Elvis, and he rips it past him to complete his hat trick, fifth career hat trick for Sam Reinhardt, first as a Florida Panther, 5-2 cats as Marchman and Lundell both register their fourth points of the night. All of this, all of this less than five minutes into the second period. A wild night thus far. But again, the Blue Jackets are not going away. Barely a minute later, they get one back and they win it when they win the battle in front of Bobrovsky and get it past him to make it 5-3. This is just one of those plays where the opposition is coming at you full force after giving up a goal and they get a beneficial bounce and they take advantage. It's hockey. It happens. Aaron Ekblad's rough night continues, though, as just about five minutes after that goal, the team's playing some four-on-four hockey after Sam Bennett and Max Domi both took a seat for two minutes after some extracurricular activities. The Jackets are pressing Ekblad and Uyghur, and number five makes a careless clear pass that bounces right off of line A's skate and onto his stick. He walks in on Bob and beats him for the second time in the game. Suddenly, this game is 5-4. The Blue Jackets refusing to go away, but this offense, folks... Boy, can they put up numbers. With under three minutes to go, some of, the, some of the other guys feel like they want to get in on the goal-scoring action. So Sam Bennett decides to make a nice pass over to Carter Verhage. 
He's open in this slot. On this rare occasion, he actually chooses not to shoot it and this, instead slides it over to Owen Tippett, the best kind of Owen Tippett, and he beats Elvis 6-4 to four Panthers. Uh, six four Panthers on Tippett's sixth goal of the season. Nice to see him get one here. Hopefully a sign of things to come for the Peterborough native. Build on those, those confidence. Now, did I mention offense? Yeah, these guys can score. Holy shit. Just 15 seconds later, with the PA announcer still announcing the Tippett goal, Mason Marshman grabs the puck after the Blue Jackets fumble it in their own zone. He finds Uyghur creeping in from the point, and he snipes it past Elvis Merzlikens to restore the three-goal three lead. Mason Marshman has his fifth point in two periods, third time this season as a, Panther, a, player, a Panthers player, has a five-point game, but the first time done by a guy not named Huberto. Seven four Panthers as another wild period comes to a close. Jonas Corposalo relieves Elvis Merzlikens of his duties. I'm pretty sure Elvis was uh, more than happy to get off the ice for the third period. And this one, a career night for Mason Marchman, and it continues when his line gains the jacket zone and not even a half minute into the period, Reinhardt takes a Lundell pass on the right wing, shoots it across to Marchman in the slot, and he rips it past Corposalo for his second goal, sixth point of the evening, tying a Florida Panthers record set by former captain Ole Jokinen back on March 17th, 2007, so almost four, 15 years ago. Uh, he did that in an 8-5 win over the New York Islanders. It's a truly memorable night for Mason Marchman. I still can't believe that they that they got this guy for Dennis freaking Mulligan. At the time of the trade, I truly thought it was a nothing deal. A couple of middling guys that they just needed a change of scenery. These trades, hap- these trades happen all the time in the NHL. And you just don't really hear about them after they happen. It's one of those things. Personally, I never once cared that Mulligan was traded. I didn't. In fact, I was a little bit happy, a little bit relieved, because I knew he wasn't going to be taking any roster spots from anyone else going forward. He had plenty of opportunities to succeed in this team, and he just couldn't put it all together at the NHL level, despite tearing it up at the AHL level. Mulligan isn't even in the NHL anymore. He's playing his second season in the Swiss A-League over in Switzerland. But he is a member of the Swiss national team at the Olympics this year, so that's, that's good for him, but... Marchment, though, he, unlike Malgan, he's made the most of his opportunities given to him and has really grown as a player these last two seasons. I don't think this current offensive tear is sustainable for him, but he has all the tools to become a consistent 50-point guy in the NHL. I really, truly believe that. A historic night for the Uckbridge, Ontario-born winger. I'm sure his Papa Brian was hooting and hollering all throughout this game. And Marchment wasn't the only one setting records in this game. As Anton Lindell, on this goal, he snatched his fifth assist of the night setting a Florida Panthers all-time rookie rep record for helpers in a game with uh, <laughs> a hell of an effort on this one. Like, I truly a Lundelicious evening for the Finnish newcomer. This was just... Lund- <laughs> this guy's ridiculous. He really is. He's 20 years old. What, <laughs> what can I say about this guy? Penalty killing. Leads the league in, in takeaways as a forward. Not for rookies, for the entire league in forwards. So we're talking Crosby's, McDavid, Stones, every player. He leads the entire league in takeaways for forwards. He leads the team in shorthand ice time for forwards. 14 points in his last 11 games played. Damn, dude. Lundelicious indeed. Cats lead 8-4 to four at the 27-second mark of the third period. The rest of this game, though, it goes without much of anything happening. Jackets kind of did decide to lay down at the end of it all. Um, Corpusolo was surprisingly solid in the third period coming in, but that didn't mean much 
at the end, obviously. Can't score goals from there. Cats improved to 32-9-5 in the season, picking up a big road win, but this game worried me a little bit. It did. Yeah, they scored eight goals, but they gave up four. And without Mason Marchman going off tonight and having a literal historic night of hockey, this game could have ended very differently. Ekblad's two terrible gaffes brought the Jackets right back into this game twice. The offense bailed out the inconsistent defense once again. Listen, I love the goals. I really do. I remember watching the Panthers teams of old struggling to score three goals a night. I feel hashtag blessed watching this offense. I do, but we can't keep ignoring this defensive play. Something needs to be improved, whether it's splitting Uyghur and Ekblad up or bringing another player. Listen to me. I I get it. I sound all disheartened after a 8-4 win. I get it. I don't need to, but I think it's important to ground ourselves after games like this. The win was nice, but they gave up four goals to the Blue Jackets. Shouldn't have been this close. I mean, it doesn't look like it was close, but at one point it was 5-4, right? So, Panthers playing their final game before the long 15-day break in between games in the Madison Square Garden, taking on the Rangers. New York still plenty, uh, still playing some pretty good hockey this season, somewhat keeping pace with the pack and sitting second in the Metro Division going into this one. Cats getting a lot of buzz around the league after their big 8-4 win the night prior against the Blue Jackets. People finally starting to take notice of this group and the crazy offense they've been running this season. Andrew Brunette opting for a couple of changes in this lineup. Frank Vetrano getting back into it uh, as Joe Thornton continue as he and Joe Thornton continue to play musical chairs. Chase Prisky. Uh, got called up again and factors into the lineup again. Uh, I guess Brunette looking for some more mobility back there against an aggressive Rangers attack, hence the Prisky uh, call-up. Spencer Knight also called back up as well and getting the start in this game. Uh, this one does not start well for the Panthers, though. As just 35 seconds into the game, Gustav Forsling pokes the puck into the, his own net by accident on a Rangers rush and it makes it 1-0 for the Blue Shirts. Mika Zibanejad getting credit for the goal. Tough go at it for the Cats to start this one. But they don't get discouraged. As I've said before, we've seen them throughout many games this season. They don't They don't stop. The Cats, they don't get rattled. And they just stick to their game plan. And it pays off. After getting six of their next eight shots, Florida comes out of the of their zone in the sequence of passes. It ends up on Owen Tippett's stick. And he snipes, snipes it past uh, Vesna favorite Igor Shesterkin to tie the game at one. Or does he? For the second time in three games, we see a Panthers goal get challenged for offside. And again, this time, the goal gets called back. Weger went a tad bit over the line before the puck got in and leads to the goal being disallowed. Fortunate turn of events for the Cats. But, like I said, they don't get discouraged. And a shining example of that comes just 90 seconds after the disallowed goal when Anthony Duclair takes a Huberto pass. Uh, with tons of space in the Rangers zone, he walks in on Shesterkin and snipes it over his shoulder for his 19th goal of the season, tying the game at one. Panthers, they dominate the rest of the period in shots and a one-point lead in that category, 13-3, to but they take a late penalty when Brendan Montour gets called for tripping, leading to a few decent chances from the Rangers on the man advantage, but Knight and the Cats kill it off as the period ends tied at one with the Cats leading in the shots in shot totals 17 to 7. First minute of the second period, Sam Reinhardt breaks into the Rangers zone and has a step on Keandre Miller, forcing him to reach out and uh, take Reinhardt down, giving the Panthers their first power play opportunity of the game. Katz stifled a bit to start the man advantage, but on the rush, Barkov rips a laser on net that catches Shesterkin completely off guard. It hits the post, bounces off his back, and Sam Reinhardt is there on the backhand to get it past Shesterkin into the gaping net. Puts the Cats up 2-1. to one. 
Rangers, though, they come back right back when Uyghur and Ekblad once again get caught out of position in their own zone, giving Alexis Lafreniere plenty of room to walk in on night. Backhanded home. He backhands it home to tie it up just 109 after the Panthers take the lead. Uyghurs and X in trouble again in their own zone. These two have been struggling lately with a ton of mistakes by their own net. I'm not sure what the cause is here, but it's, it's not great. It's not great to see. Gudis, he takes a penalty not long after, so the Rangers poised to take advantage of the momentum, but the Panthers do a great job killing off the questionable call, allowing exactly zero shots on goal during the two-minute penalty. Uyghur then bobbles the puck in front of Knight, but he makes a big save, and Carter Verhage is off to the races the other way. He gets hooked on the clear breakaway, but the Panthers only get a two-minute power play. Uh... They fail to capitalize. Shesterkin makes some big saves. I think that Verhage should have been awarded a penalty shot here. I don't know how he wasn't. He was clearly all alone when the penalty took place. Don't really understand it. Whatever. With six minutes to go, uh, Cardi V draws his second penalty of the period. The Cats go back on the power play, but the hockey gods giveth and the hockey gods taketh away as the Rangers kill off. And just seconds later, Cardi V takes a chirping penalty of his own that gives the Rangers their second power play of the period. And on that power play, the Rangers catch the cast on an absolutely awful line change while shorthanded. And Ryan Strome finds Chris Kreider streaking towards the net and he taps home his very surprising 32nd goal of the season. Hell of a year for Kreider on the Rangers this year. Unbelievable. Knight completely hung out to dry on this play, though, as Florida had their signals crossed, changing all four penalty killers at once. They didn't get the puck deep. Not a great play. 3-2 Rangers as the period comes to an end. Cats come out with some pressure in the third period. Really coming at the Rangers and playing down low below the New York goal line, trying to catch them out of position. Physicality definitely increases, and with that comes the brawl, with Ryan Strom and Mason Marchman dropping the gloves to settle a score, score from earlier in the game where Marchman maybe threw a questionable hit on Strom. Advantage goes to Strom in this one, but both looked pretty uh, beat up after the fight ended. Brunette, he puts Reinhardt up with Huberto and Barkov with Marchman in the box as he tries to ignite the offense to tie the game up. Despite the Panthers' best efforts, they are mostly one and done on their opportunities. The Rangers dictating most of the play from the end of the second throughout the third period. The pressure becomes too much for the Cats, and they take a costly penalty that leads to another Rangers power play goal from Chris Kreider off a beautiful pass from Mika Zibanejad. Cats just not bringing their best tonight. Burnett, he pulls Knight with 3.30 left in the period, but uh, not much available. Six on five. Barkov takes an ill-timed penalty, and and the Rangers all but nullifying the chance for the Cats to come back and win this one. Bennett was hooked badly just moments before this penalty was called on Barkov. There's no call in the play. Refs were a bit suspect all night, but if you listen to the show, you know how much I hate talking about the referees. I always feel like it's an excuse or a cop-out. The bottom line is the Panthers didn't bring it tonight. A combination of the Rangers bringing a strong game plan and the Cats being a bit exhausted from the trip to Columbus. Rangers closing out with an empty netter. They beat the Panthers for the second time at MSG this season. Tough loss for the Cats going into very, very long break from any games, but should serve as a nice little reality check for the group ahead of the layoff. Now, despite going 4-1-0 and during this last stretch of five games, I have to say that there's a bit of a, a bit of a cause for concern with this group. As I've stressed before on the show, you cannot ignore defensive issues on this team. If they are ignored, they will be exploited come playoff time. Great teams like Tampa will hunt for those weaknesses and target them. It's part of what makes them great. Just look at the Rangers. They recognized the Panthers were a tired group, and if they upped their physicality, there was a strong chance the Cats wouldn't match that level of intensity. And they didn't, resulting in a 
easy win for the Rangers when all was said and done. What I've seen from this group on the back end just isn't quite doing it for me right now. Ekblad and Uyghur in particular seem to be struggling the most. It's crazy because if you look at their stats, all their numbers are great. They got borderline bloated plus minus numbers. Strong offensive stats, especially Ekblad. The analytics look pretty good for both of them. If you didn't watch this team and just looked at stats, you'd literally call me a nut job. You would. But I do watch the games. All of them. And they've seemed off for the last couple of months, I'd say. I know I've been hard on Gudis and Montour at times, but I just I think that they're sometimes asked to do more than they can out there, especially Butcher playing top four minutes. It's not a slight against Butcher, but I just think he's the ideal bottom-pairing guy on a Stanley Cup contending team. I really do. But with Weeks and Eck, the mistakes are more evident, glaringly obvious when you watch the games. And they're simple mistakes. Going up the middle with the puck, weak clearing attempts, completely losing positioning and not paying enough attention to all the players on the ice. These are fundamental issues. It's a bit concerning. I'm not going to say it's very concerning, but because the team is 22 games above 500 and literally playing the best regular season hockey in franchise history. So obviously nothing about this team is very concerning, not even close. But again, the playoffs are coming. They're like Thanos. Inevitable at this stage. The time to sharpen up this play, tweak out these, or work out the kinks, get these tweaks going. It's now. This cannot be procrastinated on. I don't know what head coach Andrew Brunette or general manager Bill Zito will do to try and alleviate the issue, but I know and you know if I'm seeing this issue and you're seeing this issue, then they most definitely have noticed it as well. But again, regardless of these concerns, they're still sitting at number one at the All-Star break. I ain't going to go tired of that. I just ain't. But that's the show for this week. I am Brunswick. Thank you once again for joining me on this episode of Project Panthers. As mentioned, the Cats are on their break, long break, uh, back in action on February 16th against the Carolina Hurricanes in Florida. Who could, they could very well pass the Panthers in the standings before this game as they have four makeup games to play before they take on the Cats in South Florida. So they'll be primed and ready to go and in the group of things again for this game. It's going to be a challenge for the Cats. Really hoping this, this break does the boys good. Let's guys like Hornquist get back to full health. Cure whatever's ailing Barkov. Whatever's always ailing Barkov. There's always something going on with him. And maybe we finally see Cookie back in the Panthers uniform as Nolachari was sent down to Charlotte for a conditioning stint so he could be back for the game against Carolina. That'll create an even bigger logjam up front. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a move from GM Bill Zito in the coming weeks. Remember to do all the uh, social thing like like and subscribe follow you can find me by searching project panthers on all your major websites uh, remember to send your questions into project at gmail.com i'd love to hear your feedback or opinions on the team same goes for twitter i love interacting with you online as this fan base continues to expand its footprint on the world wide web this has been project panthers i have been your host brunswick go cats go have a week <laughs>